0: Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line. And now, here are your hosts, award-winning influencer and pioneering author of seven books, Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. The problem is is that when you turn around to someone and say somebody comes up with an idea and they go, nah, don't like that idea, you know, that because you can't do that because blah, 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 blah. Especially when it's a senior
1: person giving you that feedback.
0: Yeah, the line that they use, which I still use to this day, is I encourage people to challenge things. One of the
1: ways that we can balance complexity Versus simplicity is to have a diverse group of people with a bunch of different perspectives.
0: Someone in the organization recognizes that they can't carry on doing the same thing because it's the definition of madness, isn't it? You know, carry on doing the same thing and expecting a different result.
1: So, Colin, I recently finished a book that you recommended to me. All right. Which one was that? It was one that I quite enjoyed. It's uh, called Sapiens. Yep. Excellent. You weren't the only one to recommend it. A lot of people recommend it. And it was great. It was a really great book. I would also recommend it to anybody. I have to say, I enjoyed it a lot more than the last book you recommended to me, which was the complete history of the Lutontown Football Club. <laughs> Rise to Mediocrity, I believe was the title. The good thing is, mate, it's only two pages long. Well, yeah, but even those two pages were hard to get through. We haven't had a lot of success over the years, I have to say. (laughs) Including in publishing. The the book was just not good. (laughs) The book was great. It's just chock full of really, really... Interesting. You're talking ideas. about sapiens, obviously. I am in fact talking about sapiens. <laughs> <laughs> we will never mention
0: the other book again. It makes you think, doesn't it? That that's what I really enjoyed about it, is it makes you think Yes. you don't necessarily have to agree with everything the, the author's writing, but it does make you go, huh, oh, that's an interesting way of looking at it. Yeah, over
1: and over again. Like there were just a it wasn't like it had one idea that he hammered home. There were lots and lots of great ones. Yeah. But in addition to all of the individual ideas in there which are maybe worthy of their own podcast episodes to talk about one thing that struck me it was almost a stylistic choice by the author he seemed to over and over again not come down clearly on one side of an issue or on one side of history versus another let me give you an example
0: yeah, well, in fact, before you do that, because people may be sitting there thinking, what in the bloody hell sapiens are about? Oh, right, yes. Yeah, so sapiens it is effectively like the history of humanity. And even saying the word humanity is <laughs> because he gets into effectively where us as homo sapiens come from.
1: Yeah, he emphasizes that that homo sapiens is just kind of one group of what might be considered humans. And he includes Neanderthals and, and other... Yes, groups that no longer are with us. So he takes a very broad view.
0: And he goes on and sort of catalogs the sort of the key points over a historical period where change has occurred and and the impact upon that change, even down to what we do today, which is what I found interesting. Yes. It's a very good summary. Thank you.
1: So kind of from the beginning of time down through bad football clubs in England up to this day, it really covers everything. Let me move on quickly before you start making jokes about the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> yeah, we've had enough jokes about them. <laughs> the thing that I found striking, um, in addition to the individual ideas, was was just this equanimity, the, the fact that he was able to see both sides of any issue. Yeah. So, so, for example, early on, he talks about uh, the agricultural revolution, which is when early, early Homo sapiens went from being hunter-gatherers to being farmers. Now, historically, I had always seen this and been taught that this was just a good thing for humans. It allowed us to build cities and to start to accumulate wealth and to start to specialize in different professions because we now had had more food available to us. And what was interesting to me is is he said, yeah, all those things were good. But then he also laid out all the bad things about it, too. And he, he made an argument, fairly compelling argument, I think, that on an individual basis, hunter-gatherers were probably happier than early agricultural man, which was really interesting.
0: Yeah. And I think the key learning for me, or part of the learning, and the reason we're talking about this on this podcast today, is the whole sort of concept of listening to other people, listening to both sides of an argument, not being black and white in your thinking. And that's- That's the key for me and the key takeout. So you can talk about the book and you can talk about whether you believe that being a farmer or being a hunter-gatherer was was better. That's not the issue. The issue is when you're discussing things is laying things out from both sides and listening to both sides of the argument. Oh, is that where you wanted to
1: take this? I I was all
0: geared up to talk about hunting and
1: gathering. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah, no, no, we can do that too
0: living in Georgia, I thought you'd be talking more about the farming, but there you go.
1: Peanut farming.
0: I think it's really important. And tell us about some of the scientific things that cause us not to listen to other people. I know one of them is confirmation bias and that, isn't it?
1: Yes, there are several. So confirmation bias is one. This is the idea that when when we're leaning in a direction, when we have an opinion, we tend to seek out information that confirms that opinion. And so on average, our opinions tend to strengthen over time because we're, we're just looking to reinforce them. There's also motivated cognition, which is a very similar idea, which is that we tend to want to think in such a way that, again, reinforces our predisposition. So if we have an opinion, we tend to want to think. We're motivated to think in such a way that reinforces that. So we're seeking out information that reinforces it. We're thinking in ways that reinforces it. And that's what struck me so much about this book is it's so unusual for someone to consistently take both sides uh, to the point where it was shocking to me as a reader, right? And so that was the motivation. And then now let's port that into what we can do with our customer experience, what we can do in our jobs and in our lives. It is very hard to
0: see both sides consistently of something. The other thing to mention here is there are always two sides to things. In fact, more more sides to things. So let me give the audience a couple of sort of examples that always stick in my mind. So I think everybody will know that we do this sort of form of specialist research called an emotional signature, which is where we look under the skin of what people are doing, of their behavior effectively. People have heard me say this before, but Disney know when they ask their customers what they want to eat at a theme park, Disney know that people say they'd like to have an option of a salad. Disney also know that people don't eat salads at theme parks. They eat hot dogs and hamburgers. So what people say and what people do can be two different things. Why am I telling you all this? Whenever we go and present these results, okay, and we are therefore doing this because someone in the organization recognizes that they can't carry on doing the same thing, because it's the definition of madness, isn't it? You know, carry on doing the same thing and expecting a different result. So we do this form of specialist research and we give the results back. And this is a classic example for me of confirmation bias. I guarantee what somebody does in the audience is they start to question the validity of the sample size, the methodology that's been used, the statistics that underpins it all. They're looking for holes to prove that it's either invalid because it's showing them something that doesn't go against their belief, rather than looking at it and going, hold on, this is a different way of looking at the world and doing what the guy did in *Sapiens*, which is effectively putting both sides of the argument, which I think is the really powerful message. What's interesting there
1: is not the fact that people are skeptical of findings, I would argue that's good. That's a positive thing. We should all be skeptical of, of things we come encounter with. It's this selective skepticism that people employ. Like if, Because you know that if that study came and it was telling them that what they were doing already was right they would have no concerns about sample size, and no concerns about research methodology. Yes. It's only selectively applied when it's what we don't want to hear. And then we start to pick all kinds of holes in it, right? It's it's the old joke about somebody Googling something that they believe in, and they find 900 articles against and one article for, and they, they jump straight to the one article that they agree with and go, aha, see, evidence.
0: And I guess part of that is just because it takes up cognitive resource. In other words, you have to think, don't you? And it's easier if you've already made a decision and you're just now looking for something to confirm your thought rather than have to go through the pain of thinking about something completely different. And maybe even, and I'm sure tied in there, has got to be some bits around Stature and recognition. I'm not sure if I'm using the right word, but status, not stature, the status of that individual. In other words, can they actually just turn around and go, Yeah, hey, you know, I've been believing in this for the last 10 years and actually it was wrong. I should have looked at the world from this particular perspective.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that there's at least two sources for this that we can think about. The one that you're talking about here is an efficiency argument, which I I think is valid. if we were to question everything all the time, we just wouldn't be able to get anything done. No. Right? And so there's just this idea that at some point we need to stop questioning and start doing. There's also this emotional side to it. Being wrong is painful and embarrassing. And so we're motivated to want to be right. So when we do decide in favor of something or against something, we don't want to admit that we were wrong on that. That could undercut us socially that could be embarrassing so we we tend to fight to want to prove that we were right
0: we wanted to thank everybody for listening you are great and the reason we do this we're
1: really pleased that we now have over 200 episodes we've seen the podcast grow and grow and now according to buzzsprout it is in the top five percent of all podcasts globally Thank you. That is truly amazing and not possible without you.
0: But we have one request of you. Can you please tell a friend, a neighbor, or even someone you hate? It would be really good to get more listeners and it encourages Ryan and I to continue to produce the show. So please just tell a friend. So I'm going to now mention another book that I've been listening to, Bill Bryson, A Short History of Nearly Everything. I don't know if you, have you ever, ever heard of that? No, although I'm sensing a theme from you where you like broad historical perspectives <laughs> narrowed <laughs> down to a single book. That's right. With the answer at the end. <laughs>
1: with the answer. Yeah.
0: It's, it's, in fact, it's Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah? The answer's 42. I fully endorse that. <laughs> Anyway, the point I'm trying to make is that he's starting off talking about Bill Bryson was starting to talk about the Big Bang. And I didn't realize, but the Big Bang theory was only, only came about in, I want to say 1930, something like that. Maybe even, it it may be even as late as 1950, I can't remember. But the point I'm trying to make is, Everybody prior to that <laughs> clearly had a view of the way that the the world was. I mean, if you go back, at, back in the in time, obviously everyone was thinking about it for as the world as being flat. Suddenly you go, bloody hell. No, it's not like that. Oh well, twenty years of my life has just gone down the drain of me trying to sort of put this all together. And it can sound difficult
1: or defeatist when phrased that way, but you're describing scientific progress, right? Correct. What we do is we we settle on kind of a theory or an understanding of how things are until there's enough evidence that piles up against it. And then we say, all right, well, now we need to toss that out and come up with something new that can explain everything new that we know. Yeah. There's a a philosopher of science named Thomas Kuhn who called this shifting paradigms. So he's the one who kind of coined that phrase. We now use frequently in lots of contexts, but it's used to describe updating our our theories, updating our, our scientific perspectives.
0: And that, for me, goes back to a couple of phrases that I particularly like. So I've already said this one, but the definition of madness is doing the same thing and expecting a different result. Are we, are we back to rooting for Luton Town Football Club? <laughs> are we talking about something else? <laughs> well, actually, football's an interesting analogy, mate, actually, because what they do, the first thing that any football club does is sack the manager. Yeah, <laughs> you're not winning, you sack the manager, yeah, and the true. manager comes in, and the next manager comes in, and, and it, that, the important thing here, he changes something, he changes it. But all too often, if I if I were to think back in history again, to Blockbuster, Circuit City, Kodak, all of those organizations that have now gone out of business, didn't adapt and this comes into, again, going back to the soccer analogy. Recently, England have done exceptionally well in the in the Euros. So every four years, all the European countries play each other. And for the first time in 55 years, England got through to the final and lost against a better team, I have to say, uh, in Italy. But Gareth Southgate, the English manager, has been really praised for his Wait, management his and his leadership. Gareth Southgate. Yeah, that's clearly a fake British name.
1: Like that's, you, you went to like a British name generator website, and that's what they came out.
0: What he did was he did something which was to do with diversity, which I guess is the key here in the conversation we're having. He brought in lots of people from different walks of life to help motivate, understand the team. So rather than fill the dressing room and the coaching staff full of good footballing people that only ever think about football, what he wanted to do was to bring people in from different sports to get a different view of life, which goes back to the theme of this. So not black and white thinking. And it struck me that this whole area of diversity is so important to creating that New thinking because otherwise, where do the new ideas come from? Where does that different vision of the future come? And without that, I mean the second thing that's then needed is, is someone to listen to it and to act upon it because as we know it's it's easy just to go, yeah, that's a great idea and just carry on doing what you're doing.
1: The reason that we're we're making this argument in this podcast is It essentially boils down to the world is very complex. History was complex. Your business is complex. Everything is complex. And we have this natural motivation to want to simplify things. As you pointed out earlier, there's a lot of good that can come to us, cognitively efficient in terms of efficiency, in terms of emotion, by simplifying things. The key is to not oversimplify, to not simplify it down too much to where it's just this kind of black and white uh, kind of caricature of the world that doesn't actually help us. And so one of the ways that we can fight against that, or kind of maybe maybe better said, one of the ways that we can balance complexity versus simplicity, so we can actually get things done in the best way, is to have a diverse group of people with a bunch of different perspectives. Because if I'm simplifying yeah. in my way, but you're simplifying in your different way, then you put our two views together, and we suddenly have a more complex understanding of what's going on.
0: You know what? Let's give us a little bit of praise here. I'm,
1: I'm on board completely. Whatever you're going to say <laughs> next, I'm, I am endorse. Great.
0: Well, it, it strikes me, mate, that one of the things that we've enjoyed about each other has been the different worlds that we come from. So... I'm obviously coming from the business world. You're coming from the uh, world of academia and science. And the combination of those two things, I think it's that classic example of two and two make five. If I think about it, and you know I've said this to you before, I think there's so much information in academia that is so useful in the business world. And people just don't seem to use it, and part of that reason, I think, is it's just not made accessible. Yes, which is a, a large part of the reason for me. But the other part of the reason is people aren't looking for it, which I think is the sad bit. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, no i I hang out. I love my academic
1: friends. We go to conferences. We just we nerd together. It's fantastic. But we all look at things in a very similar way, and when we Try to talk to you know we work in business schools and when we try to talk to business people a lot of times it's very hard because we're speaking different languages and we just have these different perspectives so yeah one of the things that I have very much enjoyed and yeah I agree with you I, I think that if the podcast has a strength other than our just constantly needling each other um, <laughs> <laughs> like if we do if we're doing anything useful here I think that's a large part of it is that we do bring these different perspectives and I think it provides a richer understanding of things than either of our perspectives alone would do and so yeah maybe this is a time when we can we can actually provide advice based on something that we're we're actively
0: doing every week so let's get into it what are the practical things that you think that people should do so we started off talking about sapience you know, let's do our usual so what test yeah. One we've already talked about, which is
1: uh, get a diverse group of people, and diversity can be defined in lots of different ways, but particularly diversity that leads to differences of opinions and experience within the group. So, Colin, I know that you have a a multinational team, and you've got people who are kind of more expert in some of the analytic stuff, and you've got you've got team members who are more Expert in in big picture thinking and who have expertise and experience in lots of different areas. And so when you pull a group like that together, you're going to end up with differences of opinions. And even if ultimately you have to arrive at a single solution by kind of forcing ideas to run the gauntlet of bouncing off of all these different perspectives, you're going to end up with a better solution. So that's one,
0: diverse teams. Yeah, let me come in with two. So for me, two is having a diverse team is absolutely great but if you've got a culture yeah where you don't listen to people and the boss thinks that they are the cleverest person in the world and they know the answers to everything then you've got a problem because you can have the the greatest diverse team in the world but if no one's listening to them then you got an issue. And there was, I think I may have mentioned this this before, but there was a, a company that we did some work with, literally when we first started with Beyond Philosophy. So back in 2002, this is a water utility in the UK. And one of the things that I saw there that I really loved and have used ever since is they had this culture of challenging things. So the problem is, is that when you turn around to someone and say, somebody comes up with an idea, and they go, nah, don't like that idea, you know, that because you can't do that because blah, 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 blah. Especially when
1: it's a senior person giving you that feedback.
0: Yeah, the line that they use, which I still use to this day, is I encourage people to challenge things. So people will say, I'd like to challenge that. So you come up with an idea, well, you're gonna do something and you give people the right to challenge it, okay? And then you listen to the challenge, and ideally, you then throw that challenge out to see what other people think. Clearly, for me, at the end of the day, a decision has got be, to be made. But if you've got any sense, then you'll know that one of the other phrases that you'll know I love is, none of us are as clever as all of us. If everybody's saying we should be going in this direction, and you think we should be going in the other direction, then maybe you're wrong. (laughs) Uh, And even if you are the boss, then maybe that's the direction you should be going in. Very
1: good. Great point. So one is make sure you've got a diverse team. Two, make sure you've got a culture that values that diversity, (laughs) that values those different opinions and allows people to express and be supported in doing that. Have you got a third one? Yeah, I'll add a third one. Good, because I've got a fourth one then. Well, then I've got a fifth one. What? <laughs> Third one is try to identify multiple causes for any effect. Or, or in other words, maybe multiple stories or explanations. So yep. within your own mind. So we've talked about how a team can help. But within your own mind, anytime you settle on an explanation, immediately try to come up with an alternative to that explanation and see if you can come up with other solutions. I'm going to express this now using some statistical terminology, which I know just clears everything right up for everybody. Yeah,
0: uh, yeah. hold on. Uh, yeah.
1: this is important call, pay attention. <laughs> uh, so in, in statistics, you run uh, models, regression models. There's several outputs that come out of these, and some are called main effects, which is the idea that here's this one factor yeah. that contributes to the effect, right? So this one thing makes this thing happen. And those are useful. So advertising might increase sales, and and we could statistically know that that's the effect of advertising on sales, and that's great. But more interesting and often more useful is what are called interactions, and that's where two or more factors combine in interesting ways to produce an effect. So advertising increases sales, but only during certain seasons of the year, right? So now we've we've got advertising and we've got season, and those are interacting to create an effect as business people, we're always looking for main effect solutions. Yep. Should I increase my advertising or should I decrease my advertising? And the reality is we live in a world full of interactions. Yeah, Almost everything involves the trade-off. Almost yeah, everything involves multiple causes. So look for
0: that more complex structure. I'm throwing in many different phrases here today, but it's just like that. Everybody wants the silver bullet, don't they? Yeah. What's the one thing that will change this? Well, actually, it's not just one thing. There's never one thing that's going to change things. No, it it turns out we're not actually fighting werewolves. And so your silver bullet (laughs) is not going to be enough. The last one I was going to mention is test and measure. Give it a go. Try something different. Measure what the effect is now. Measure what the effect is, is later. And if it doesn't work, great. Didn't work. Now you know it doesn't work. It's that classic Edison thing. You know, I found a thousand ways of this didn't work. It wasn't that it was unsuccessful. We found that they didn't work. And that's great. Uh, But again, that goes back to the the culture. And the danger is, is, I think, without that type of culture, you end up like, the blockbusters or the circuit cities and all the Kodaks, et cetera, because everybody's in there just wearing their suits with their white shirts and ties and thinking exactly the same and not not going out there and trying things. I've been struck more and more recently as I've,
1: I've been thinking about things. We often want things to be a certain way, like we want a more simple world. And when it's not, we tend to act like there's like there's actually an alternative to the reality that it's just not complicated, like sure, like there's no alternative to recognizing that the world is complex. It just is, and so we can either accept that it is and try to accommodate that and, and try to prepare for it, or we can essentially just stick our head in the sand and you know pout about the fact that it's not simpler than it is.
0: Yeah. So I think that's a good list of, uh, of five things that you can practically go off and. Do we get to five or four? I can't remember. I think it was just four,
1: but since five would mean I'd get credit for the last one, we're going to call it five.
0: <laughs> Excellent! That's what I like to hear. That's one of the ideas that we're going to start to implement straight away. We're going to take a number and just add one to it, and just hope for the best. <laughs> Okay, so we hope that's been of, uh, of use. If you've got any suggestions of what we should uh, cover, please just don't hesitate to reach out to us. We're always interested in hearing your suggestions on topics. Please just drop us a line at contact at That's contact at philosophy.com. And we look forward to talking to you next week. Cheers.